TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome back here to Cleveland, just outside the Quicken Loans Arena. Brian Mazarowski here on WBEN at the Republican National Convention, 803-0930. We were just joined for about a half hour by Michael Caputo talking all about Melania Trump's speech from last night, the plagiarism scandal. And uh, strikingly similar, and we were talking with Mike Caputo, who said the conspiracy theory people had somewhat of a point. (laughs) He wouldn't rule it out even though I uh, kind of refuse to believe that stuff. And uh, he also gave a little insight into speech writing. And I still find it amazing how we are still so open to the concept of speech writers, that all these politicians have speech writers, yet people from all over the country are flocking to the convention to see the speeches. Now, uh, Michael Caputo was quick to mention that basically... Uh, it's their own words. Uh, the speechwriters take their own words and put it in a way where uh, it, it's a pleasant-sounding speech, where it makes sense, where it's very cohesive and it has some flow, and uh, it's something that would take a long time for a politician to do in time that they necessarily don't have. I get that. It's just still kind of funny to me that we all openly accept it. Uh, right now we'll go to Jim in Gowanda. Jim, thanks for holding. We're on uh, WBEN. Hi, Brian. How you doing? I got up this morning and I heard the uh, news on uh, the early morning news on WBEN, and uh, I went on uh, Facebook and boom, there were post after post after post about it. And then a couple hours later, around noon or so, all of a sudden, all the other my other friends started coming out and saying, you know, well, this is Hillary Clinton did it six or seven times. You know, did the same thing. Barack Obama did the same thing. Michelle Obama did the same thing. And I think that was the desired effect. I don't think this was an accident. I don't believe in accidents. I don't believe in coincidences. I think it was a very shrewd thing by the Trump campaign because that's what they need to do. They need to chip away at Hillary. They need to bleed votes out of her. And those people that sent that sent the, uh, you know, that, that were right on it and saying, ha, 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 look what the Republicans did, all of a sudden they feel like hypocrites now because their own their own gal is guilty of it so i think that was the desired effect all of a sudden she's even less likable to them and that's what that's what this is all about making her less likable so people don't turn out for her all right jim and gowanda thank you so much for the call uh, i you know i just i can't wrap my head around the conspiracy theory part any any concept of uh, conspiracy theory you know what right now uh let's go to the floor we won't take this uh in its entirety but we'll join uh senate majority leader mitch mcconnell speaking right now continue to slide 
distracted by the scandals that follow the Clintons like flies. Two years ago, voters delivered a clear verdict on the Obama years by sending a freshman class of rock star Republicans to the Senate and delivering us a majority that I promised to make you proud of. We'd never hesitate to confront the president, but we'd also do the hard work of tackling urgent problems head on. And we delivered on that promise. We put Obamacare repeal on the president's desk. He vetoed it. Donald Trump would sign it. We passed a bill to finally build the Keystone Pipeline. Obama vetoed it. Donald Trump would sign it. We passed a bill to defund Planned Parenthood. Obama vetoed it. Donald Trump would sign it. And on that sad day when we lost Justice Scalia, I made another pledge that Obama would not fill this seat. That honor will go to Donald Trump next year. So with Donald Trump in the White House, Senate Republicans will build on the work we've done and pass more bills into law than any Senate in, in years. We've already passed the first major education reform in more than a decade and ended Common Core. We made the first significant reforms to Social Security in three decades. We passed a crucial cybersecurity bill. We imposed sanctions on North Korea. We passed the first major highway bill in more than a decade. We passed a bill to combat the scourge of human trafficking. And just last week, we passed the first major law aimed at confronting the heartbreaking explo explosion of heroin and opioid abuse. So my friends, keep the Senate in Republican hands and we'll continue this work and the remarkable public servants that I'm proud to lead in the Senate will not let you down. But put Hillary Clinton in the White House, and I promise you this, she will double down on the cynical approach that Senate Democrats seem to revel in these days. Here's what I mean. As we sit here tonight, a terrifying mosquito-borne illness threatens expectant mothers and their babies along our southern coast. And just last week, just last week, Clinton Democrats in the Senate blocked a bill aimed at eradicating that virus before it can spread. And they weren't finished. They blocked a defense funding bill, a bill that would support the brave men and women who are right now defending us overseas. What in the world do these people think public service is about? I don't know. But I know this. If Hillary Clinton is our president, nothing will change. So tonight, I ask you to continue let us continue our work. Let us put justices on the Supreme Court who cherish our Constitution. Let's keep the Senate. And let's elect a president and a vice president who really believe America is exceptional. That is Mitch McConnell on the floor. I tell you what, we are going to get ready to take a quick break. Coming up, we still have Paul Ryan to hear from. We still have Chris Christie to hear from, and that will be happening uh, pretty soon. So we want to get this break in to make sure you don't miss any of that. We'll also have uh, remarks from Dana White and uh, some other people coming your way. You have all that to look forward to live here from Cleveland at the Republican National Convention on WBEN. All right, back here at the Republican National Convention in Cleveland, just taking the podium, Paul Ryan. Let's listen in. 
You know, standing up here again, it all has kind of a familiar feel. <laughs> Students of trivia will recall that last time around, I was your nominee for vice president. It was a great honor. It was a great honor even if things didn't work out quite according to the plan. Hey, I'm a positive guy. I found some other things to keep me busy. And I like to look at it this way. The next time that there's a State of the Union address, I don't know where Joe Biden or Barack Obama are going to be, but you'll find me right there on the rostrum with Vice President Mike Pence and President Donald Trump. Democracy, democracy is a series of choices. We Republicans have made our choice. Have we had our arguments this year? Sure we have. You know what I call those? Signs of life. Signs of a party that's not just going through the motions, not just mounting, mouthing new words for the same old stuff. Meanwhile, what choice has the other party made in this incredible year filled with so many surprises? Here we are, at a time when men and women in both parties so clearly, so undeniably want a big change in direction for America, a clean break from a failed system. And what does the Democratic Party establishment offer? What is their idea of a clean break? They are offering a third Obama term brought to you by another Clinton. <laughs> and you're supposed to be excited about that. For a country so ready for change, it feels like we've been cleared for takeoff and then somebody announced we're all going back to the gates. It's like we've been on hold forever, waiting and waiting to finally talk to a real person and somehow we've been sent back to the main menu. Watch the Democratic Party convention next week. That four-day infomercial of politically correct moralizing. And let it be a reminder of all that is at stake in this election. You can get through four days of it with a little help from the mute button. But four more years of it? Not a chance. Not a chance. Look. The Obama years are almost over. The Clinton years are way over. 2016 is the year America moves on. From now to November, we will hear how many different ways progressive elitists can find to talk down to the rest of America. To tell the voters that the Obama years have been good for you, that you should be grateful, and well, now it's, it's Hillary's turn. The problem is really simple. The problem here is very simple. There is a reason people in our country are disappointed and restless. If opportunity seems like it's been slipping away, that's because it has. And liberal progressive ideas have done exactly nothing to help. 
Wages never seem to go up. The whole economy feels stuck. And millions of Americans, millions of Americans, middle class security is now just a memory. Progressives like to talk, like our president, like to talk forever about poverty in America. And if high sounding talk did any good, we'd have overcome those deep problems long ago. This explains why, under the most liberal president we have had so far, poverty in America is worse, especially for our fellow citizens who are promised better and who need it most. The result is a record of discarded promises, empty gestures, phony straw man arguments, reforms put off forever, shady power plays like the one that gave us Obamacare, constitutional limits brushed off as nothing, and all the while, dangers in the world downplayed, even as the threats go bolder and come closer. It's the last chapter of an old story. Progressives deliver everything except progress. Yet, we know better than most. We know better than to think that Republicans can win only on the failures of Democrats. It still comes down to a contest of ideas, which is really good news, ladies and gentlemen, because when it's about ideas, the advantage goes to us. Against the dreary backdrop of arrogant bureaucracies, pointless mandates, reckless borrowing, willful retreat from the world, and all that progressives have in store for us, the Republican Party stands as the great enduring alternative party. We believe in making government, as Ronald Reagan said, not the distributor of gifts and privilege, but once again, the protector of our liberties. Let the other party go on making its case for more government control over every aspect of our lives, more taxes to pay, more debt to carry, more rules to follow, more judges who just make it up as they go along. We, in this party, we are committed to a federal government that acts again as a servant, accountable to the people, following the Constitution, and venturing not one inch beyond the consent of the governed. We, we in this party, offer a better way for our country, based on fundamentals that go back to the founding generation. We believe in a free society, where aspiration and effort can make the difference in every life. Where your starting point is not your destiny. And where your first chance is not your only chance. We offer a better way for America with ideas that actually work. A reform tax code that rewards free enterprise instead of just enterprising lobbyists. A reformed healthcare system that operates by free choice instead of by force and doesn't leave you answering to cold, clueless bureaucrats. A commitment to a renewed commitment to building a 21st century military and giving our veterans the care that they were promised and the care that they earned. Listening to Paul Ryan on WBEN. And we offer a better way for dealing with persistent poverty in this country. 
a way that shows poor Americans the world beyond liberal warehousing and check writing, into the life everyone can find with opportunity and independence, the happiness of using your gifts, and the dignity of having a job. And you know what? None of this will happen under Hillary Clinton. Only with Donald Trump and Mike Pence do we have a chance at a better way. And last, last point. Let the other party go on and on with its constant dividing up of people. Always playing one group against the other as if group identity were everything. In America, aren't we all supposed to be and see beyond class, see beyond ethnicity or all these other lines drawn to set us apart and lock us into groups? Real social progress is always a widening of the circle of concern and protection. It's respect and empathy overtaking blindness and indifference. It's understanding that by the true measure, we are all neighbors and countrymen, called each one of us to know what is right and kind and just, and to go and do likewise. Everyone, everyone is equal. Everyone has a place. No one is written off because there is worth and goodness in every life. Straight from the Declaration of Independence, that is the Republican ideal. And if we won't defend it, who will? So much, so much that you and I care about. So many things that we stand for in the balance in this coming election. Whatever we lack going into this campaign, we should not lack for motivation. In the plainest terms I know, it is all on the line. So let's act that way. Let's act that way. Let's use the edge we have because it is still what earns the trust and the votes. This year of surprises and dramatic turns can end in the finest possible way when America elects a conservative governing majority. We can do this. We can earn that mandate if we don't hold anything back, if we never lose sight of the stakes, if we never lose sight of what's on the table. Our candidates will be giving their all, they'll be giving their utmost, and every one of us has got to go and do the same. So what do you say? What do you say? What do you say that we unify this party? What do you say that we unify this party at this crucial moment when unity is everything? Let's take our fight to our opponents with better ideas. Let's get on the offensive and let's stay there. Let's compete in every part of America and turn out of the polls like every last vote matters because it will. Fellow Republicans, what we have begun here, let's see this thing through. Let's win this thing. Let's show America our best and nothing less. Thank you, thank you, and God bless. All right, there you go, Paul Ryan, live on WBEN from the convention floor. We will take a quick break for news and uh, all that great stuff. Before we come back, still to come, Chris Christie and more here live from Cleveland, the Republican National Convention on WBEN.
From the WBEN Newsroom, I'm Tom Puckett. Here's what's happening. Congressman Chris Collins speaking at the Republican National Convention, giving the second nominating speech for Donald Trump for president. I proudly represent Western New York, which has been devastated by unfair trade deals, allowing countries like China and Mexico to steal our jobs robbing our children of the opportunity to live the American dream. Collins says Trump is not just a candidate, he is a movement. Buffalo Police Benevolent Association President Kevin Kennedy yesterday called for officers nationwide to be provided with patrol rifles. Retired Buffalo Police Officer Miguel Rivera agrees. Along with training, I think it's a valuable tool. In the shootings in Dallas and Baton Rouge, officers encountered gunmen with much higher firepower than was at their hips. Rivera agrees it needs to change as long as normal citizens have the same access. The founder of Hidden Valley Animal Adventures has died after deputies in Wyoming County say he was trampled by an antelope. A family member found 81-year-old Hans Boxler seriously injured early Monday morning and later died. From the WBEN Newsroom, I'm Tom Puckett. All right, welcome back here to WBEN, live from the Republican National Convention in Cleveland. I'm Brian Mazarowski, and I will be here uh, tomorrow as well. And on Thursday, as we wrap things up, uh, Thursday, the big day, Donald Trump set to accept the nomination. And uh, we are awaiting, it should be just moments before Chris Christie takes to the stage. So we'll uh, bring you those remarks live. I know that's uh, probably someone you're interested in hearing from so we'll head to the stage when chris christie uh walks up uh near the podium which is actually happening right now so we'll head there and then uh, after chris christie uh, there's a couple more speakers and we'll, we'll kind of play this by ear for right now but we'll go inside the quicken loans arena chris christie is uh right now taking the podium about to speak good evening good evening I'm here tonight, not only as the governor of New Jersey, but also as Donald Trump's friend for the last 14 years. We are about to be led by not only a strong leader, but by a caring, genuine, and decent person. I'm proud to say that the voice of the people of our nation is being heard in this hall tonight and those voices want Donald Trump to be the next president of the United States. But everybody, this election is not just about Donald Trump. No, it's also about his Democratic opponent, Hillary Rodham Clinton. Now, in the past few weeks, we've seen the Justice Department refused to prosecute her. Over the last eight years, we've seen this administration refuse to hold her accountable for her dismal record as Secretary of State. So let's do something fun tonight. Tonight, as a former federal prosecutor, I welcome the opportunity to hold Hillary Rodham Clinton accountable for her performance and her character. Now, 
All right, all right, we're getting there. Give me a few more minutes, we'll get there. Here's what we're gonna do, we're gonna present the facts to you. You, tonight, sitting as a jury of her peers, both in this hall and in your living rooms around our nation. You see, since the Justice Department refuses to allow you to render a verdict, I'm gonna present the case now on the facts against Hillary Rodham Clinton. Now, she was America's chief diplomat. So let's look around the world at the violence and the danger today in every region that has been infected by her flawed judgment. But I'm gonna be specific so that you can render your verdict tonight on the basis of the facts. Let's go to North Africa. She was the chief engineer of the disastrous overthrow of Gaddafi in Libya. Libya today, after Hillary Clinton's grand strategy, their economy's in ruins, there's death and violence on the streets, and ISIS is now dominating that country. So I'm gonna ask you this, Hillary Clinton, as a failure for ruining Libya and creating a nest for terrorist activity by ISIS, answer me now, is she guilty or not guilty? In Nigeria, Hillary Clinton amazingly fought for two years to keep an Al-Qaeda affiliate off of the terrorist watch list. Now what happened because of this reckless action by the candidate who is the self-proclaimed champion of women all around the world? These Al-Qaeda terrorists abducted hundreds of innocent young women two years ago. These schoolgirls are still missing today. And what was the solution from the Obama-Clinton team? A hashtag campaign. So now let's figure it out, let's decide. Hillary Clinton, as an apologist for an Al-Qaeda affiliate in Nigeria, resulting in the capture of innocent young women, is she guilty or not guilty? <laughs> See, she fights for the wrong people. She never fights for us. She doesn't get the real threats that America faces. So now let's go to China. In China, Hillary Clinton praised the Chinese government for buying our debt to finance Barack Obama's bloated stimulus plan. She was so desperate for Chinese cash, she promised to oppose the Buy American provision in the stimulus bill in exchange for the cash to finance a huge expansion of federal government spending. So, Hillary Clinton putting big government spending financed by the Chinese ahead of good paying jobs for middle class Americans, is she guilty or not guilty? Let's go to Syria. In Syria, imagine this, imagine this. She called President Assad a reformer she called Assad a different kind of leader. There's now 400,000 dead. Think about that, 400,000 dead at the hands of the man that Hillary defended. So we must ask this question, 
Hillary Clinton as an awful judge of the character of a dictator and butcher in the Middle East. Is she guilty or not guilty? Next, next in Iran, she launched the negotiations that brought about the worst nuclear deal in history. Let me be clear, America and the world are measurably less safe and less respected because of the Iran deal that Hillary helped cut, period. After she launched those negotiations, she became the biggest cheerleader for this agreement in the end. It's a deal that will lead to a nuclear Iran, an Israel that will be less safe and secure, and a much more dangerous Middle East. So let's ask it. Hillary Clinton, as an inept negotiator of the worst nuclear arms deal in American history, is she guilty or not guilty? Next. Next. Oh, believe me, we're not done yet. The indictment is hardly complete. Next, let's go to Russia. She went to the Kremlin on her very first visit and gave them that stupid symbolic reset button. You know what I think that button should have read? It should have read delete. You know, she's very good at that, by the way. And it should have read delete because she deleted in four years the safety and security it took us to build in 40 years. The next year, she said our goal, America's goal, was to strengthen Russia. Strengthen an adversary led by a dictator who dreams of reassembling the old Soviet empire. What an extraordinarily dangerous lack of judgment. So once again, we need to ask, as a flawed evaluator of dictators and failed strategist who has permitted Russia back in as a major player in the Middle East, is Hillary Clinton guilty or not guilty? Now, now we go to Cuba. Hillary Clinton supported concessions to the Castro brothers and got almost nothing in return for ending the embargo. She supported a deal that didn't even require this murderous, murderous regime to return a cop killer, Joanne Chesimard, to face justice. See, I know about this personally. Joanne Chesimard murdered a New Jersey state trooper in cold blood, fled to Cuba, and lives there under Cuban protection to this very day. I want to ask you, how could someone live with their own conscience when you reward a domestic terrorist with continued safety and at the same time, betray the family of a fallen police officer waiting for decades for justice for his murder. So let's ask the question. Hillary Clinton, as a coddler of the brutal Castro brothers and betrayer of the family of foreign, fallen state trooper Werner Foster and his family, is she guilty or not guilty?
finally, finally here at home in one of her first decisions as Secretary of State, she set up a private email server in her basement in violation of our national security. Let's face the facts. Hillary Clinton cared more about protecting her own secrets than she cared about protecting America's secrets. And then she lied about it over and over and over again. She said there was no marked classified information on her server. The FBI director said that's untrue. She said that she did not email any classified information. The FBI director says that's untrue. She said all work-related emails were sent back to the State Department. The FBI director said that's not true. So as to Hillary Clinton, the charge of putting herself ahead of America, guilty or not guilty? Hillary. I got another question for you. I got another question for you. As to Hillary Clinton lying to the American people about her selfish, awful judgment in making our secrets vulnerable, what's your verdict, guilty or not guilty? Now time, time after time after time, the facts and just the facts lead you to the same verdict, both around the world and here at home. In Libya and Nigeria, guilty. In China and Syria. In Iran and Russia and Cuba. And here at home for risking America's secrets to keep her own and lying to cover it all up. Her focus group tested persona with no genuineness to be found as a sham meant to obscure all the facts and leave you able to vote for her. We cannot promote someone to commander-in-chief who has made the world a more violent and dangerous place with every bad judgment she's made. We cannot make the chief law enforcement officer of the United States someone who has risked America's secrets and lied to the American people about it day after day after day. Here it is, everybody. We didn't disqualify Hillary Clinton to be President of the United States. The facts of her life and career disqualify her. See, I can tell that everybody in this hall agrees with this, but I want to take our last moments here to talk to all of you at home, in your living rooms, sitting there tonight. You're the ones who will decide this election. We have an alternative. We have a man who is unafraid. We have a man who wants to lead us. We have a man who understands the frustrations and the aspirations of our fellow citizens. We have a man who judges people based on their performance, regardless of your gender, your race, your ethnic or religious background. I implore you, we do not need to settle for less in this election. We cannot reward incompetence and deceit. We need to demand more than what Hillary Clinton offers for America.
because see, we know exactly what four years of Hillary Clinton will bring, all the failures of the Obama years, but with less charm and more lies. Tonight, those of, in this hall, of us in this hall and the people at home, it is our obligation to stop Hillary Clinton now and never let her get within 10 miles of the White House again. It is time to come together and make sure that Donald Trump is the next president of the United States. proud to be part of this team. Now let's go out and win this thing together. Let's go get them. Good night. All right, there you have it. Chris Christie live from the Republican National Convention in Cleveland, live on WBEN. I've been secretly paying attention to a wrestling draft during that speech. Guilty or not guilty? All right, so we are going to end our uh, portion of the coverage here and uh, head to ABC news radio still to come some of the trump children actually tiffany trump is taking the stage right now uh, mike i'm not sure if you have that up on your end if we can uh, put that up right now and we'll go there i'll be back tomorrow brian mazarowski on wben let's head now live to tiffany trump for president please excuse me if i'm a little nervous when i graduated college a couple of months ago i never expected to be here tonight addressing the nation I've given a few speeches in front of classrooms of students, but never in an arena with more than 10 million people watching. <laughs> but, like my father, I never back down from challenges. So here I am, a little new to the convention scene, but incredibly honored and very confident in the good man that America is coming to know. It's often said that with enough effort and determination, you can do whatever you put your mind to. But saying those words and living them are different things, and my father has lived them. It's one of his defining qualities, and I've seen it in action all of my life. Whatever he does, he gives his all and does it well. His desire for excellence is contagious. He possesses a unique gift for bringing that trait out in others, starting with those closest to him. He's always helped me be the best version of myself. By encouragement and by example, he motivates me to work my hardest and to always stay true to who I am and what I believe. That's what he does. He draws out the talent and drive in people so that they can achieve their full potential. That's a great quality to have in a father and better yet, in the President of the United States. As a recent college graduate, many of my accomplishments are still to come. But my dad takes such pride in all that I've done so far, no matter how big or how small. I still keep all of my report cards, some dating back to kindergarten, because I like to look back and see the sweet notes he wrote on each and every one of them. Contrary to what you might expect, 
from someone who places an emphasis on results. My dad's comments referred often to the sentiments expressed by my teachers about how I acted in and out of the classroom, just not even focusing on the letter grades themselves. Donald Trump has never done anything halfway, least of all as a parent. My father always asked about my family in Georgia to make sure that they are healthy and safe. My uncle served in Vietnam, and my 97-year-old great-grandfather served in World War II. I believe the measure of a person is revealed in their darkest times. For me, the measure of a parent is based on how they support and bolster you when you're down. A few years ago, someone very dear to me passed away, and the first call I got, as I knew I would, came from my father. Without his unwavering support and care for me during such a challenging time, I don't know how I would have made it through. As far too many know, it is the small, loving acts that help an enormous amount in times of grief. My father is good with advice, as you might guess, but he keeps it short, and the takeaway is usually the same, to help us find our own way and our own gifts. If you do what you love, hold nothing back, and never let fear of failure get in the way, then you pretty much figured out the Trump formula. My dad is a natural-born encourager, the last person who will ever tell you to lower your sights or give up your dream. I always look forward to introducing him to my friends, especially the ones with preconceived notions, because they meet a man with natural charm and no facade. In person, my father is so friendly, so considerate, so funny, and so real. My friends walk away with a glimpse of all that he is and all that he means to me, of the strong, protective, kind, endearing man I am so proud to call my father. I never pictured myself saying all of this to a packed arena, but I am grateful and fortunate for the chance. I have admired my father all of my life, and I love him with all my heart. God bless you and thank you. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.